Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Peyton had a series of unfortunate events happening this evening. Evening. Yeah, she fell at school. At back to school night. A very unfortunate series of events that happened. (laughs) Okay, just one thing. And I really want to go to Salem. Do you? Everybody would. Okay, that's true. Everybody would. We want to go to Salem. It's all witchy. It's so cool. What do you want to do there? Mm. I want to take a spell class. <gasps> That'd be so cool. Okay. A series of unfortunate events. Peyton's in a crummy mood because she got hurt. Book three. The Wide Window. Chapter four. That night, the Baudelaire children sat at their table with Aunt Josephine and ate their dinner with a cold pit in their stomachs. Half of the pit came from the chilled lime stew that Aunt Josephine had prepared. But the other half if not more than half, came from the knowledge that Count Olaf was in their lives once again. That Captain Sham is certainly a charming person, Aunt Josephine said, putting a piece of lime rind in her mouth. He must be very lonely, moving to a new town and losing a leg. Maybe we could have him over for dinner. We keep trying to tell you, Aunt Josephine, Violet said, pushing the stew around her plate so it would look like she'd eaten more than she actually had. It's, he's not Captain Sham. He's Count Olaf in disguise. I've had enough of this nonsense, Aunt Josephine said. Mr. Poe told me that Count Olaf had a tattoo on his left ankle and one eyebrow over his eyes. Captain Sham doesn't have a left ankle and only has one eye. I can't believe that you would dare disagree with a man who has eye problems. I have eye problems, Klaus said, pointing to his glasses, and you're disagreeing with me. I will thank you not to be impertinent, said Aunt Josephine, using a word here which meant pointing out that I'm wrong, which annoys me. This is, it is very annoying. You will have to accept once and for all that Captain Sham is not Count Olaf. She reached into her pocket and pulled out a business card. Look, his cards, does it say Count Olaf? No, it says Captain Sham. The card does have a serious grammatical error on it, but... It is, nevertheless, proof that Captain Sham is who he says he is. Aunt Josephine put the business card down on the table, and the Baudelaire's looked at it inside. Business cards, of course, are not proof of anything. Anyone can go print at a shop and have cards made that say anything on it, like the King of Denmark card order business new cards that that says that he sells golf balls. This doesn't make any sense. Hold on, let me read that over again. The King of Denmark can order business cards that says he sells golf balls. Okay, that makes more sense. Your dentist can order business cards that say she is your grandmother. In order to escape the castle of an enemy of mine, I once had cards printed saying that I was an admiral from the French Navy. Just because something is typed, whether it is a business or a type of newspaper or a book, does not mean that it is true. The three siblings were all aware of that simple fact, but could not find the words to convince Aunt Josephine 
So they merely looked at Aunt Josephine, sighed silently, and pretended to eat their stew. It was so quiet in the dining room that everyone jumped, Violet, Klaus, and Sonny, even Aunt Josephine, when the telephone rang. My goodness, Aunt Josephine said, what should we do? Minka said, shrieked Sonny, which probably meant something like, answer it, of course. Aunt Josephine stood up from the table, but didn't move as the phone rang a second time. It might be important, she said, but I don't know if it's worth the risk of electrocution. Well, if it makes you feel more comfortable, Violet said, wiping her mouth with her napkin. I'll answer the phone. Violet stood up and walked over to the phone. I will answer the phone. Violet, oh, Violet stood up and walked over to the phone in time to answer it on the third ring. Hello? Uh, is this Miss Anne Whistle? A wheezy voice asked. No, Violet said. This is Violet Baudelaire. May I help you? Put the old woman on the phone, orphan. The voice said, um, I don't think anybody would really say that if they didn't know them very well. And Violet froze, realizing it was Captain Sham. Quickly, she stole a glance over at Josephine, who was now watching Violet nervously. I'm sorry, Violet said to the phone. You must have the wrong number. Don't play with me, you wretched girl, Captain Shan started to say. But Violet hung up her phone, her heart pounding, and turned to Aunt Josephine. Someone was asking for the hop-along dancing school, she said, lying quickly. I told them that they had the wrong number. What a brave girl you are, Aunt Josephine said, picking up the phone like that. It's actually very safe, Violet said. Have you ever answered the telephone, Aunt Josephine? Klaus asked. Ike almost answered, almost always answered it, Aunt Josephine said. He, and he used a special glove for safety. But now that I've seen you answer it, maybe I'll give it a try next time somebody tries to call. The phone rang and Aunt Josephine jumped again. Oh, goodness, she said. I didn't think that phone ring again so soon. What an adventurous evening. Violet started at the phone, knowing it was Captain Sham calling back. Or Violet, Violet stared at the phone, knowing that it was Captain Sham that called back. Would you like me to answer it again, she asked. No, no, Aunt Josephine said, walking towards the small ringing phone, as if it were a big barking dog. I said I'd like to try it, and I will. She took a deep breath and reached out a nervous hand and picked up the phone. Hello, she said. Yes, this is she. Oh, hello, Captain Sham. How lovely to hear your voice. Aunt Josephine listened for a moment and then blushed bright red. Well, that is very nice of you to say, Captain Sham, but what? Oh, all right. That's very nice of you to say. Julio, what? What? Oh, what a lovely idea. But please hold on one moment. Aunt Josephine held a hand over the receiver and faced the three children. Violet, Klaus, Sunny, please go to your room, she said. Captain Sham, I mean Julio, he asked me not to call him. He asked me to call him by his first name, is planning to su a surprise for you children. He wants to discuss it with me. We don't want a surprise, Klaus said. Of course you do, Aunt Josephine said. Now run along so I can discuss this without your eavesdropping. We're not eavesdropping, Violet said, but I think it would be perfectly better if we stayed here. Perhaps you are confused by the meaning of the word eavesdropping, Aunt Josephine said. It means listening in. Aunt Josephine, Aunt Josephine said, and you will be eavesdropping, so please go to your room. 
We know what eavesdropping means, Klaus said, but he followed his sisters down the hallway into their room. Once inside, they looked at one another in silent frustration. Violet put aside the pieces of the toy caboose that she had planned to examine that evening to make room for her on her bed for her three for the three of them to lie beside one another and frown at the ceiling i thought we'd be safe here violet said gloomily i thought that anybody who was frightened of the realtor would never be friendly to count olaf but no matter how he was disguised do you think they yeah actually let leeches chew his leg off klaus wondered shuddering just to hide his tattoo join sunny shrieked which probably meant that seems a little drastic even for count olaf I agree with Sunny, Violet said. I think he told that tale about leeches just to make Aunt Josephine feel sorry for him. Well, it sure worked, Klaus said, sighing. After he told that sob story, she just fell for his disguise, hook, line, and sinker. At least she's not trusting his uncle. At least she isn't as trusting as Uncle Monty, Violet pointed out. He let Count Olaf move right into the house. Well, at least then we can keep an eye on him, Klaus replied. Over, Sunny remarked, which meant probably something along the lines of, although we didn't save Uncle Monty. What do you think he's up to this time, Violet asked. Maybe he plans to take us out on his boat and drown us in the lake. Maybe he wants to push the whole house off the mountain, Klaus said, and blame it on the Hurricane Herman. Have to, Sunny said gloomily, which probably meant something like, maybe he wants to put like, the lacrimose leeches in our bed. Maybe, 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 Violet said. All these won't get us anywhere. We could call Mr. Poe and tell him that Count Olaf is here, Klaus said. Maybe he could Maybe he could come and fetch us. That's the biggest maybe of them all, Violet said. It's always impossible to convince Mr. Poe of anything. And Aunt Josephine doesn't even believe it. She saw, even if she saw Count Olaf with her own two eyes, she doesn't even think that she saw Count Olaf. Klaus agreed. She thinks she saw Captain Sham. Sunny nibbled half-heartedly on pretty Penny's head and muttered, Potch, which probably meant something like, You mean Julio? Then I don't see what else we can do, Klaus said, except keep our eyes open and our ears open. Doma, Sunny agreed. You're both right, Violet said. We'll just have to keep a very watch- careful watch. The Baudelaire orphans nodded solemnly, but the cold pit in their stomach had not gone away. They felt like keeping watch <sighs> wasn't really much of a plan defending themselves from Captain Sham. As it grew later and later, it worried them more and more. Violet tr- tied up her hair in a ribbon to keep it out of her eyes, as if she were inventing something. But she thought and thought for hours and hours and was unable to invent another plan. Klaus stared at the ceiling at the utmost con- with the utmost concentration as if something very interesting were written on it. But not too, nothing helpful occurred to him as the hour grew later and later, and Sunny bit Penny, Pretty Penny's head over and over again. But no matter how long she bit, she couldn't think of anything besides the Baudelaire's worries. I have a friend named Gina Sue who is a socialist, and Gina Sue has a favorite saying, You can't lock up the barn after the horses are gone. It means simply that sometimes even the best of plans will occur to you when it's too late. This, I'm sorry to say, is the case with the Baudelaire orphans and their plan to keep a close watch on 
Captain Sham, for after hours and hours of worrying, they heard an enormous crash of shattering glass, and they knew that once keeping watch hadn't been enough of a plan. What was that noise, Violet said, getting out of bed? It sounded like broken glass, Klaus said, worriedly walking towards the bedroom door. Best you, Sunny shrieked, but her siblings did not have time to figure out what she meant, and they all hurried down the hallway. Aunt Josephine, Aunt Josephine, Violet called, but there was no answer. She peered up and down the hallway, but everything was quiet. Aunt Josephine, she called again. Violet led the way as the three orphans ran into the dining room, but their guardian wasn't there either. The candles on the table were still lit, casting a flickering glow on the business card and the bowls of cold lime stew. Aunt Josephine called Violet again as the children ran back down the hallway towards the door of the library. As she ran, Violet couldn't help but remember how she and her siblings had called Uncle Monty's name early one morning, just before discovering the tragedy that had befallen him. Aunt Josephine! She called Aunt Josephine! She couldn't help but remember all the times that she had woken up in the middle of the night calling out the names of her parents as she, as she dreamt, as she often did, of those terrible that terrible fire that claimed their lives. Aunt Josephine, she said, reaching the library door. Violet was afraid that she was calling out Aunt Josephine's name when her aunt could no longer hear it. Klaus, look, Klaus said, and as he pointed to the door, a piece of paper folded in half was attached to the wood with a thumbtack. Klaus pried the paper loose and unfolded it. What is it, Violet asked, and Sunny craned her neck to see. It's a note, Klaus said as he read it out loud. Violet, Klaus, and Sunny. By the time you read this, my life will be at its end. My heart is as cold as Ike, and I find life unbearable. I know you children may not understand the sad life or the dowager or what would have led me to dis- to this desperate act. <gasps> oh, but please know that I am much happier this way. As my, as my last will and testament, I leave you three in the care of Captain Sham, and a kind, honorable man. Please think of me kindly, even though I've done this. Ter- I've done this terrible thing. Your aunt Josephine, but she spelled act wrong. Uh-huh. I know. How do you know? You remember from watching it on TV? Yep. She, um. uh, it. It's okay. You can say it. Oh no, you can't say it. Nope, we'll just get to it. Oh no, Klaus said quietly when he finished reading. He turned the piece of paper over and over as he had read it incorrect, as if he read it incorrectly, as if something different was different. Oh no, he said again so faintly that it was if he hadn't even known he was speaking it out loud. Without a word, Violet opened the door to the library and the Baudelaire's took a step inside and found themselves shivering. The room was freezing cold, and after one glance, the orphans knew why. The wide window had shattered, except for a few shards that still stuck into the window frame. The enormous pane glass was gone, leaving a vacant hole that looked out into the blackness of the night. The cold night air rushed through the hole, rattling the bookshelves and making the children shiver up against one another. But despite the cold, the orphans walked carefully to the empty space where the window had been and looked down. That night was so black that it seemed that if there was absolutely nothing beyond the window, 
Violet, Klaus, and Sunny stood there for a moment and remembered the fear that they had felt just a few days ago when they were standing in this very same spot. They knew that not they knew not that their fear had been rational. Huddling together, looking down in the blackness, the Baudelaires knew that their plans to be careful careful watch had come too late. They had locked the barn door, but poor Aunt Josephine was already gone. Oh my gosh, that's so sad. Uh, aw.